0: This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform. I am sitting here with Eat to Perform coach April Blackford. April, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. So April and I spent the weekend in Colorado. Uh, We went and had an Eat to Perform meetup and got to basically participate in just what was the ultimate planned event um brandy cohen um and sherry zelonski both those guys did like such a great job and uh i mean it was so awesome because we just we just kind of came there and they're like okay you got to be here at eight o'clock you got to be here at noon you got to be and we just showed up and it was just a awesome awesome time Um, and so April was my, my driver. And so she, she made my life interesting. Um, what, what, what were your big memories from the, from the trip April?
1: Well, of course the, the barber story, but the, um, laughing at the, um, awesome tactical driving skills, the, how you challenged me and um, said that my cardio was rough around the edges, but then I kind of blew you in the dust. Um,
0: (laughs) You, you smoked me for seventy five percent of it, but you have to admit the last twenty five percent, I still had a little gas in the tank. <laughs> no, the last
1: part, I actually felt bad because everybody was so far behind, and that's why I slowed down because
0: I was like, oh, is, okay. that, is that is that how that went?"
1: Where, well, because I didn't want to, you know, leave no one behind, and I looked, and everybody's so far behind. But
0: I I, I, I gotta give it to you. I mean, like honestly, uh, you know, because I was saying to the whole group. You know, hey, you gotta judge April on a curve because she doesn't do cardio very much. Man, I said that, and you know, it, I think you were like the the little girl on the playground that whenever like a, a boy would say something like that, you know, you'd have him his hand behind his back, like you take it back, take it back. You
1: know, um, oh, of course the the awesome karaoke that was priceless. Uh, that I I've had. been. T-
0: Oh, no. See, I mean, first of all, I figured out that I'm not very good at karaoke. That's not going to stop me from doing karaoke in the future, but I figured out that I'm not very good at karaoke. But I'm definitely not good at karaoke when I've been talking all day. Um, yeah. And so by the time we got to karaoke at 9 o'clock at night, my voice is kind of shot. And I did the best I could, but it was not, it was not perfect. I, I was a little disappointed that you did not get up there and brave well. it up.
1: No, I was gonna do the duet. I was gonna do the duet. But after all the regulars went up there and they were like la 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 like warming up and, and Oh.
0: Oh it's so it's so brutal sometimes because like there's there's like karaoke where it's like fun karaoke and then there's like karaoke with like more of a gay karaoke and this was kinda like the middle, you know. I mean, the one dude that did the Johnny Cash song, he was pretty good. The other guy that did Midnight Special, he was pretty good. You know, I felt yeah. bad because, like, mine was horrific compared to those two guys.
1: The, the waiters um, that worked there, you know.
0: Was, uh, so So, basically, so April would drive me around. Now, first of all, like, if you don't know me very well, one thing that you need to know, first of all, well, my dad was, my dad worked for United Parcel Service for many years. And so, um. I don't know how it happened that I became a good driver and then now my dad's driving sucks. But um, for some reason, I have become a good driver and I often struggle um, being in the passenger seat. And so April, uh, she rented a car. I did not rent a car. So she was driving me around the whole time. And, you know, being in a city that we aren't comfortable with normally, right? you know, she was navigating. And as far as I was concerned, she was like text messaging and emailing and all this other, like, if you're, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not seeing, but basically my thumbs are going crazy. That was like April the whole time while we were driving, going like 70, 75 miles. And then all of a sudden she would like swerve into another lane. And I was like, oh my God, you're going to kill us. You know, but then she did redeem herself by um, at one point, uh, a tractor trailer blew out a tire and uh, she was able to kind of swerve around it. And so, so sometimes using, using all of your um, instincts can be some, a bit of an advantage.
1: Well, I would, have, I would have to say that being that I was, I was the chauffeur and you were the, naviga- the passenger, it was, should have been your duty to be the navigator, not the driver's. You should have been with the map
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the um, I don't know, I, I just felt like you were kind of the boss there, you know, and I, I, I was more
1: I think at one point when you were giving me a hard time, I'm like, well, what are you doing?" I was like, "What the hell you're supposed to be my navigator. <laughs> Why am I, I navigating know. the map?
0: Yeah, but it, it it was an adventure, so okay, so before we start getting into the topic, which you know, I think. I want everybody to kind of understand what we're going to be talking about (laughs) in April's finding out right now, as we speak, what we're talking about, but what is the least amount you can do and still see progress? And I think once we start to get into that topic, you'll see why I want to talk about that because I think it's really super important that people understand that they don't have to kill themselves to actually see a result. And in fact, you know, this, you know, constantly starving too much or constantly working out, you know, often leads to injury and sickness and the immune system being kind of weakened and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of the, the idea there. Um, so before we went to Colorado, I ended up getting my hair cut. And for those that don't watch um, on YouTube, I have kind of a mohawk. I mean, you can see it right now. It's sort of slipped down like I'm a A normal human being, but you can kind of um, spike it up. And so the woman that cuts my hair, I was joking with um, April and Sherry the night before the, the meetup, we all were going out to dinner and we were talking about haircutting experiences. And I was explaining that every time this woman cuts my hair, she's still a little inebriated from the night before, you know, and like, you know, you're in a weird spot because, you know, well, one, like, it's hard to think, well, is she going to be kind of, you know, I mean, this was actually the worst of three times that she's cut my hair. I mean, she was actually slurring her speech and things like this. Um, but she's done a fine job. I mean, there's definitely like, I, I didn't notice there's like a little bit of a gap in my head over here, but I'm a dude, you know what I mean? I just put like a little bit more gel in and it's fine, you know, but, uh, So she was like slurring her speech. Um, When she ultimately did my hair up, you know, if you followed me on Snapchat, you would have seen all the pictures from there. I think I posted some in Slot as well. And so, uh, you know, it ended up looking looking great, but, you know, I don't wear my hair like that the good majority of the time, and, and I don't really feel a need to do so i don't really like kind of that spiky mohawk look but it seems like everybody that wants to kind of do my hair wants to do it in kind of a spiky look so i just kind of roll with it but it's getting to the point where my my mohawk is very long and i like it that way because i can lay it down and kind of look normal and then it's kind of like a high and tight look so but yeah so so the the whole idea of having kind of a, a drunk barber lady, um, putting scissors near my head and stuff can be a little scary. So if you want to know how adventurous I am, that's exactly how adventurous I am. Um, So what I wanted to talk about today is just sort of delving into the idea of, you know, finding a compromise between the amount of food that you eat and the amount of work that you do. One of the things that I talk about a lot that's one of the best gifts that I ever gave myself was being able to stay weight stable without exercise now you go well shouldn't exercise be a main part of your life yes exercise is a huge part of my life but you get sick you get hurt right all these different types of things and I think what happens for a lot of people you know, and, and you could really kind of account for this like around the holidays and stuff like this. People normally eat a certain way. And then all of a sudden something happens. You know, let's say that you get hurt. You know, you still kind of want to eat that way, but you don't really have the ability to do so because your output isn't, you know, matched up by your input, right? And some of the changes that you will make is. And and one of the things that I think is really super helpful is you have to sort of enjoy your carbohydrate days and you have to learn to enjoy the days where you're not eating carbs. And so for me, you know, the lower carb days, and they're not like low carb, like, you know, 25 grams of carbs, super ketosis and stuff like that. It's really more like you know 200 grams of carbs. Maybe for a female, it might be 200 or uh, 150 grams of carbs. But you can still get carbs in in that scenario. A lot of the the carbs that I eat on rest days tend to be like popcorn. You know, might have a little starch, but not not a ton. Um, certainly, you know, on my rest days, I tend to like steak. You know, I mean, I'm almost I'm almost boring in how often I eat similar things, but I like those things, right? And so I know that my adherence is better when, you know, I'm doing things that I like. Um, So when, you know, and I was just having this conversation with someone in group coaching where she, you know, went through surgery, said, just make sure that you don't go too low calorie, too low carb, you know, on those days, you know, keep carbohydrates in the mix. And then, you know, have some days where, you know, you go out and, and, you know, have some wine for date night or, you know, some pasta or things of that nature. So, you you know, what happens for a lot of people is they make themselves somewhat inflexible at moments like that. And certainly if you pull all the water out of your muscles and, you know, you don't eat any starch or carbohydrates and no sugars and stuff like that, you know, you can – see a result for a while but what you'll often find is that when you reintroduce that stuff you'll gain weight really quickly because now you've made yourself kind of inflexible on a cellular level um any thoughts about that april because i know you know um i mean I, i feel like because of some of my injuries and stuff like that i've had to be a little bit more um diligent with that i mean have you experienced much of that
1: um i've had to experience it not really with necessarily with injuries but with um you know like vacation things like that where you know you can't expect your family to you know chill out while you go work out you know um like when i went to the florida keys for nine days um you know in general i usually use the same strategy like what you were saying you know you do steak you know those would be the days that you would add like squash in um you know kind of to to keep you full, you know, you don't necessarily have to eat salads all day. Um, I absolutely agree with what you were saying in regards to, for example, say if you were injured or, you know, um, say you couldn't work out for two weeks, you know, every fourth or fifth day, having a day where you incorporate a little bit higher carbs. Um, I think that kind of prevents your metabolism from kind of slowing down um, because as your intake, you know, as it's less, 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 you know, your your body kind of starts slowing down a little bit. So I do think that, that having that higher day in does upregulate things a bit. Um, when you're injured, you know, obviously we've talked about this on multiple webinars in the past in regards to you don't want to be too aggressive because it's going to hinder your overall recovery. And that's ultimately the most important.
0: Um, so. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned vacation because, you know, I've talked a little bit in the past where, you know, I've had kind of periods of low carb dieting and stuff like that, you know, many, many years ago. And, you know, eventually everyone wants to get back to eating normal, right? And a lot of times, you know, when you go on vacation, that's when you want to eat normal. And it's so interesting contrasting this weekend when we were in Colorado compared to the times where I would go on vacation and I would eat similar to the way that we ate in Colorado right? So when we were in Colorado, we had pizza, we had street tacos, we had, you know, all these things. I mean, not like extreme amounts or anything like that, but certainly if I had not eaten, you know, um, some carbs, you know, kept, kept a certain amount of flexibility within my diet, um, diet meaning I, what I eat, not, not a reduction that ultimately my weight would spike up dramatically. So when I came home, you know, I weighed myself and my weight was actually pretty stable. And then, you know, on Sunday, once I was back, you know, I kind of just, you know, did my standard, you know, carb cycling day where I was lower carbohydrates, ended up eating, you know, roughly 2000 calories and um which is is pretty low for me um not a super active day but we did um we did end up you know I went for a walk with my wife um I ended up doing a rock and she's kind of recovering from surgery so she just walked but uh but yeah i mean uh my weight was down a couple pounds you know from that that time period and what i think is interesting about that is You know, I remember, you know, even kind of keeping my activity relatively high on a trip in Hawaii, you know, roughly 12 years ago, and then coming home being 13 pounds up, right? You know, and so when you keep some level of flexibility where your muscles are hydrated the good majority of the time, you don't get these huge spikes up and down, and I think that that's – That's kind of really important. I think the other thing that when we talk about, you know, what can you do to see a good result but not kill yourself, we have to really talk about exercise and what we're ultimately trying to accomplish with exercise. Because I think that, you know, I mean, I remember the first day that I walked into my personal trainer's um, studio and you know there was trx straps everywhere and it was spin cycles and and you know i walked into a circuit class and it looked like really super hard and you know figured the, that's the answer because you know i was obviously not doing this so therefore this is going to be the big answer for me and it is a it was a little bit of an answer for me because i had not been to that level of fitness before and you know at the end um you know that was similar to my crossfit experience as well you know when i walked into the crossfit it looked a lot harder than that circuit place you know and it's tempting to think that those extremes are the thing that you know make your progress and so when you look at you know, the amount of muscle that I've been able to add to my frame, like when I, when I was in that, um, that circuit with the TRX straps and stuff like that, I probably have 35 more pounds of muscle on my frame than I had at that time, right? Um, definitely 30, you know. So the interesting part about that is I've sort of figured out where my groove is at. And depending on what I'm training for, is how I'll tra- change my, my routine. But my, my ultimate point being is that right now, you know, I'm in a performance focused fat loss cycle. If you're not familiar with Eat Perform, that's how we get people to a deficit to and kind of get them a result. So during my performance focused fat loss cycle, I've gotten sick. So that, that kind of hindered my gym experience. But in some ways, it's been almost more enlightening for me because I've been able to kind of keep you know, a small amount of cardio into the mix. Um, I've been going for walks, right? And then my weight training is basically about three days a week. And I've actually reduced my weight training to be more volume-based you know, which is obviously something we talk about a lot. And, you know, it's just been kind of refreshing because obviously my calories are, are lower. You know, that's, you know, there's, there's no real secret there if anybody's thinking that you can just, you know, eat 5,000 calories and, and you know, all of a sudden you'll be ripped. Um, it always comes down to some relationship related really, really to the amount of food, amount of work, right? But what has been really refreshing is that I've been able to see this result and I haven't had to kill myself. In fact, I would argue that it's the fact that I haven't killed myself that has allowed me to see a more specific result. You know, Now, it sort of depends on what you consider a ruck, right? Because I go for a four to five mile ruck twice a week. For a lot of people that would be really hard. Okay. Now that I have a certain amount of muscle mass on my frame, it's not as hard for me. You know, I will say, you know, on that last mile, it's pretty hard. You know, you, you really start to feel it. But you know, when you have developed traps in the back and stuff like that, you can get away with it. normally I'm I'm hiking with 45 pounds. But my weight training, you know, might only be a squat day you know, a deadlift day. And then I do some, some kind of accessories related to, you know, um, some upper body stuff, you know, to kind of keep all of those things in the mix. And then, you know, if you listen to this podcast in the next three to four weeks, I'll be reversing out of like performance focused fat loss. and you'll, you'll hear about like, you know, the hill sprints that I'll be adding and the aerodyne sprints as I start training for, you know, my summer, um, competitions and stuff like that. But my point ultimately being is that we often think that if we just work harder, that that will be the secret and that will be the thing that makes all the difference in the world. But really, if you have some level of smarter, it's almost always better. And one of the, one of the gals that I was talking with, um, Janice Torres from, from Group Coaching, you know, she kind of hurt herself a little bit um, when she was doing deadlifts. And, you know, she um, kind of sprained her glute a little bit. And I was kind of joking with her. I was like, every person that started lifting heavy at any point knows exactly what you're talking about. Because, you, you, you know, you kind of start to develop those glute muscles you know, and you feel like, you know, I was joking with her and saying that you feel like you have like a little alien in your butt, you know, um, and it starts to mess with your sciatic nerve and, and things of that nature. But when, um, when I realized that I could rest more and deal with that, that was a major thing for me, you know, because once again, I was sort of going into it with the mindset that, hey, I got to kill myself to see a result. And the fact is that you don't, you know. Um, some level of weight training, some level of cardio, but but not the extremes that most people think. Um, any thoughts on that, April? Because I know, I mean, your training, I mean, honestly, I love your training. I've always loved your training, and you know that
1: the the strategy that you're talking about that you kind of have had to default to which obviously you know if anybody's been around for a while they know that you know i haven't done a formal fat loss cycle in you know a hot minute (laughs) it's been a while but you know i have actually always taken that strategy always taken the strategy of reducing your workouts add a little bit of volume reduce the weight percentages down add in some additional recovery days and do the low stress, you know, like the walking, like the rucking for you, you're more conditioned to rucking so it's not as hard. Kind of similar to like a runner who's conditioned to run, you know, it's fine for them to run a mile or two on a recovery day, it's not, you know, it's not as taxing and it's not as stressful on their body. But the key is, you know, for, for me has always been, you know, being in a deficit and dieting is a huge stress on your body. You know and then you go beat yourself down in the gym and that's the stress on your body so when you combine those two stressors at once you know that's a lot of times when you know you start having those nagging injuries or scales not reducing or you know when you look at as dr mike would say you know it's what the um minimum dose for maximum effect you know basically you're you know you're still keeping the stimulus for the weight training in or the activity in, but you're allowing more recovery days, which in turn is going to give you a larger deficit for the week, so you'll probably see more progress without the added stress.
0: Um, well, so- I also work out at 100% rather than working out at 60%. Exactly. I mean, I, thought, I, mean I, I have to give you a lot of credit, because, I mean, like, we, you know, April is sitting here at this meetup, you know, with all these people that do a lot of physically fit stuff, and I mean, you know, honestly, you did blow me away with like the level of cardio and you don't really do cardio. So if you, you know, it really kind of explored that side of things. It'd be real interesting to see, like, you know, it, I think it'd be kind of fun if we could talk you into doing like the scaled event for Granite games, you know, you Sherry and, and, Actually,
1: and so me, on. me, Sherry and Suzanne, we have talked about creating a team for,
0: you should do it. ETP platinum ladies team Two. you know, um, So let's get to the question because I don't think we're going to have a super long session here today just because we've been so busy traveling. So Matthew was saying, major headache today, question is why, pre-workout, 4-ounce Gatorade, 5 grams creatine, this is actually really long, 10 BCAAs, post-workout, 150 grams of sweet potato, 1 scoop whey protein, 3 hours later, egg frittata, brown rice, broccoli, 100 grams of pineapple. Hourly to start with a bed. Headache, 600 milligrams of ibuprofen made it tolerable for the afternoon. Can't help but think it's related to insulin spike post workout. This happened a few times. Thoughts and suggestions. The thoughts and suggestions is that you have a dosing problem. So when I first used Vitargo, which is a, um, a kind of a, a really high end carbohydrate. I had symptoms similar to you where I had kind of a blow, uh, a sugar thing, but I also kind of almost, you know, passed out and, uh, you know, made the connection obviously that, you know, normally I would not have, I think at that time I did like two scoops thinking it would be no big deal. And then um, the next time I tried it, I did just a half a scoop. And that ended up being fine. Most times when somebody has a negative reaction to a supplement, it's almost always a dosing issue. You know, everyone can get away with a little bit. And then as you start to introduce these things, so like as an example, if what Matthew's saying is he normally doesn't do that. And I mean, that sounds like a pretty extreme you know, like 150 grams of sweet potatoes, That's that sounds like, you know, no big deal. I mean, that's basically like three good-sized sweet potatoes, you know. So the dosing on that kind of stuff can be wonder, kind
1: of – I wonder if he means 150 grams weight or like 150 grams of carbs worth.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's – yeah, that could be true. Yeah. Um, but he would- also had 8-ounce Gatorade intra-workout. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, workout was back squats three times 12, rack pulls three times 12, squats three times 12 with a bit of shoulder work between set, approximately 50 minutes total. Honestly, I don't think you would need eight-ounce Gatorade with that workout. You know, I think the intra-workout carbohydrates are really more for like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, And so that, that, I would keep, okay, yeah, April was right, he... It's basically thirty-five to forty grams of carbohydrates. I think ultimately, um, I, I can you can you talk to me a little bit about? Do you normally have quick-absorbing carbs, um, sugars, things like that, or was this something that you are just introducing? For those that don't know, you know our clients are sitting here and they can talk with us, so I can ask Matthew a question, um, but he's not answering. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it always gets awkward. It's like
1: I'm also curious, to yeah. you know, if he has changed his workout, um, like the rep schemes, things like that. Because three times twelve of squats, rectals, deadlifts, shoulder working, a bunch of stuff in in between. He could actually have like the um, the what is it? The exertion headaches, um, possibly.
0: So well, that's a little bit. That that's a little bit. I mean, it was it was not so much just the Vitargo. You know, because, I mean, I, eventually I was able to work up. I mean, I was actually able to work up to, you know, two scoops, no problem. But just introducing it in the beginning was kind of difficult. He is saying that that's a strategy that he's just recently put into place. I mean, I think if you add in a bunch of sugar, you know, within you know very short window and you weren't normally used to it, and then you bring in the added exertion rate that April that is talking about, yeah that that that's almost certainly the problem workout was a bit more volume than usual but not a great deal more i think that you know it's sort of hard to determine that but 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 i hear what you're saying and i think ultimately what i would change is the dose you know and i would play with that a little bit and see what feels the most right because that you know I know everybody sort of wants, Hey, tell me what to do and I'll just do it. Right. But what I do compared to what April does, you know, is going to be different. And, you know, you're going to always find these little tweaks. That's a little bit of the conversation that we're having with the other thing. Right. Is when I first started off and wasn't really doing much exercise, you know, I assumed that, that I couldn't go to a moderate amount of exercise. I had to go to an extreme amount of exercise. And people do this with food also, where they go, I have to go with extremely less food. And they never really try that minimal effective dose like April is saying. And, and like I said, one of the things I've always admired about April's approach, I've known April for uh, you know probably about six, seven years now. And she's just consistently done kind of certain things. I mean your deadlift you, you were talking about two hundred and seventy five deadlift is that is that where you're you're trying to get to or is no, that where you're
1: on? no I hit it. I'm trying to get okay. to three hundred.
0: Yeah I mean um I mean at at what weight I mean is it okay for me to ask you what your weight is exactly. April? Yeah
1: yes it's perfectly fine. Um I'm in the 130, 132 range. I yeah, I mean, actually have been in a secret fat loss cycle, but I haven't told
0: anybody. Yeah. Well, 275 at 132 is, is a big deal, you know? Um, and so, you know, that just really goes to show the value of consistency. And that's the real conversation we're having here. You know, the real conversation, you know, think about if you are 82 years old, you know, What if you can't control your weight at 82 years old, you know, and you have to go to the gym three hours a day just to control your weight? You're not going to be able to do that at 82, you know. So you have to be able to come up with some type of compromise. My sister-in-law is a big hiker, you know, and I've always kind of respected that about her because, you know, she's close to, you know, 70. And, you know, she's still able to kind of get that. Now, some of her habits aren't phenomenal, but she does make it a priority to have those types of things in her life. And I think if, you know, you always kind of go through these phases where you're unhealthy, right? So like in my situation, I was 230 pounds, you know, now I'm 178. So obviously from a health perspective, that's a lot better than it used to be. But what happens for a lot of us is we start all of this to get healthy, and then all of a sudden you lose 50 pounds and you're like, "Now I want abs." And it's like, "Whoa, what the hell just happened?" you know? And why did this become the main emphasis of your journey, you know? And when you think about being a high functioning human being you know i mean i see people that can do things you know athletically that almost nobody can do and they're 15 percent body fat as a man and it bugs them and it's like dude you can do legless rope climbs and you know i mean you can pick up things other people can't pick up why is that not enough you know
1: I actually have never understood that. Um, you know, I think it's maybe vanity. I don't chase and you know some goal that you know once you get there, what does it really mean to you? You know, I can understand people who professionally compete, like in bodybuilding, you know, things like that. And of course, we both know we had this conversation over the weekend that there's just so much disorder in that sport in general, but. You know, it's one thing when you're competing in a sport and you have to be at that level of leanness, but you know, if you don't compete professionally or you, it's not your job to walk around without your shirt on every day. You know, why the hell does it matter? You know, why why does getting from 15 to sub 10? Why is that such a huge ordeal?
0: You know, but well, Brad, Brad and I are working on a book right now, um, related to recomping, and you know, really, that's going to be kind of the next phase of what, you know, I'll be experimenting with. And um it's certainly been a big emphasis for, for Brad for a long time. And it's pretty much what April does, right? Um, You know, slow and steady kind of winning the race kind of thing. And I think right now, you know, I've been as low as 150 pounds. So I went from 230 to 150 pounds. And you know, that was really super small and definitely not something that I felt comfortable with from a physical, you know, I mean, there were parts of it that I liked about, about the aesthetics, but in general, I didn't like aesthetically how I felt, you know, I felt like, you know, I'd be better off with, you know, what ultimately became about 20 to 25 pounds more, and I was able to do a lot more with the, the, the bigger weight, but what's been nice is kind of figuring out the weight that I'm going to be at, and then, you know, obviously kind of, you know, maintaining some level of discipline as it relates to that. Um, so, Sandy was asking, she started ETP a month ago, been tracking food. Didn't track before this, I know I'm eating more food, my workout schedule has not changed, but I'm lifting a bit heavier. Gained about two to four pounds, started at 145, now 146 to 148. Usually do four to five days per week. Thoughts about this? Too much food, not enough intensity. Well, I would say that the culprit might not be either of those things. It might be the thing you were doing previous to this, right? And so in that way, you could say, yeah, it will be too much food, but I would make an argument that maybe it's an adequate amount of food, right? I mean, when we talk about two to four pounds, we're really talking about kind of that rehydration level. Now, you know, especially at the weight that she's talking about. When you start to get into that five to ten pound range, now all of a sudden we're getting a little past, you know, So let me give you an example. So let's say that in your situation you were dramatically lower and you were 125 pounds and you gained 10 pounds and you were asking me the same question. I might say to you, well, from a cellular level, you were pretty inflexible, so your body just kind of wanted to normalize things. And so the first two to five pounds, Was your muscles rehydrating? The next five was just kind of your body trying to figure out all these, you know, new amounts of food and new foods that you were eating. But when you talk about two to four pounds, you're really talking about just rehydration for most people.
1: Rehydration, and and I just always want to add in that so many people discount the increased volume of food in your gut and intestines. You know, if you're eating 1500 calories before and now you're eating 2000 that's 500 extra calories a day and that your body has to process and assimilate those nutrients and you're going to poop more you're going to eat more you know that's it's just you know it's just kind of logic
0: so she's saying so the rehydration phase would explain my feeling in my abdomen I don't understand that question Um, can you maybe explain it are you saying that you feel like you're heavier um because certainly um okay she's saying i feel fatter okay so now this is an interesting one for me because i i, I like explaining this one to people so almost certainly when your muscles start to hydrate not always will the water just go into your muscles sometimes it's going to sit outside of the cell and and you'll feel a little watery right and so some people might say well but when i look in the mirror i look fatter well let's talk about what's happening okay so your muscles that were dehydrated now are hydrating and there's fat Kind of sitting on the outside of those muscles so now as those muscles are more pronounced right you're going to be pushing that out and then you'll look like you maybe have a little bit more belly it's kind of interesting i remember a friend of mine um a buddy you know i mean literally like the dude's like eight packed up but he's got Audi abs not any abs, you know, and and like, you know, uh, probably the best way to describe. It, we actually did, um, you know. She's saying yes, muffin top. I'll, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the answer to how to fix it right off the bat. Okay, and it's currently what I'm experienced with my performance-focused fat loss is. When you start to reintroduce carbohydrates, it's going to take a little bit of for your body to figure out. That's similar to what April was just talking about. So you have to be cycling. And if you work out six days a week, and now all of a sudden you're adding carbohydrates on all six days, you're going to have to find some days that you're able to cycle on the days that you're not working out. The other part of it too, that I think is really important for people to hear is that that two to four pounds, like you said, there's some level of work there, right? So what I think happens with the way that a lot of us work out, so let me give you an example. Let's say that you were doing a high-intensity circuit, and now you start to eat 500 calories more. And the good majority, you know, like I said, you know, you can eat 500 calories more, be up two to four pounds, and it's really not that big of a deal. But are you using those 500 pounds more? Maybe not, right? What I think, certainly getting better at exercise will help that. But what I've found in a little bit of the conversation that we're having related to the amount of work that you do is that it's very convenient to want to like these hour long workouts where you just like kill yourself and you get a good workout in. But how much work is that, right? And if you can add some strategically long days, like one of the things that was sort of interesting I mean, probably not a great explanation um, related to because we did have a fair amount of carbohydrates on the Saturday, you know, with the with the, the chips and and the tacos, and so we had a fair amount of carbohydrates on that day. But the next day, I came home, I did not have a fair amount of carbohydrates, and I was doing the ruck on that day, and the ruck was harder. I will tell you that that the ruck was harder probably because I didn't have as many carbohydrates, but that's okay. There are some times, especially when we're talking about kind of low intensity work, where you don't really like like it, even though it was a little bit harder, it wasn't like I couldn't do it. You know It wasn't like I had to put down the pack, It wasn't like I had to stop, you know but it was just harder, you know I think as people start to acclimate towards to form, and really start to kind of experiment with themselves, you know, if you're freaking out at two to four pounds, you know, you're never going to get to that point where you're really allowing the experimentation to happen, right? What you're really going to be trying, what you're, most people when they buy Eat to Perform, what they think that they're buying is like a system that's going to tell them exactly what to do. And that's not what Eat to Perform is. What Eat to Perform is, are parameters that allow you to figure out what works for you and it's the difference between giving a person a fish and teaching them to the fish at the end of eat to perform you will know how things work for you and we will have experimented to the point where you have a good answer which brings me to a, an interesting conversation that I had this weekend so, I was talking to this gal. She came from a very low way of eating. And we've got her eating a normal amount of food. And she was super grateful to us and was so nice the whole conversation. But she was saying, you know, I know this is the direction that my life needs to go because the other way was miserable. I mean, it's always interesting. We talked about this a lot this weekend. I can't explain to you guys how many guys come up to us that are married to women that started to perform and just say, thank you, Paul and April. You know, um, you brought me and my wife back, right? So that's a little bit of the situation that that I'm talking about with this other gal where she kind of realized it for herself outside of a relationship, but I always thought that was kind of interesting. But as we were talking to this gal, The one thing that I was sort of noticing that she felt like there might not be an answer for her. And I said, one of the key aspects of what, and this was a young gal, right? I mean, she's like 30 years old, you know, physically fit, you know, does amazing things in the gym. Yet she doesn't feel like there is maybe an answer for her. Or maybe she's feeling that he can form isn't the answer for her. either way. Ultimately you're going to be seeking some kind of answer, right? But if you don't believe that the, there is an answer, that's a problem. I mean, that's a huge problem because when we're talking about trying to peel layers of the onion down, You have to believe that you can solve your own problems. You know, a big thing that I talk about a lot about was, was, you know, being, you know, professional poker player in my past and able to win money off of really, really smart people. And then I was obese and, you know, saying to myself, how is it possible I can be this smart and be obese, you know, and if i could solve you know the problem of taking money from an individual certainly i should be able to solve the problem of of my own health and then you know one of the things that i mentioned recently talking about this was you know what changed and it was literally everything changed in fact i don't play poker anymore like that That's how, you know, like when you talk about what changed, everything changed. You know, I used to not sleep. I now sleep great. You know, I used to eat conveniently all the time. Now I plan my meals more often, you know. So literally you have to look at it from the standpoint of I might need to change a whole lot of stuff. And you have to be willing to do that. And so... So I think that was sort of calming for her that, you know, because I think it's, you know, if we, if we look at it real deep, you know, and you start to think to yourself, well, maybe I've got adrenal fatigue. Think of the basis of adrenal fatigue. Adrenal fatigue is something happened to you. When we talk about adrenal fatigue, you know, you know whether it exists or not, you know, because there are some people that, that sort of wonder whether it not exists, but more often than not, it didn't happen to you. You happened to it, right? You caused it by a lot of the, the you know, if you believe in the idea of, of, of working your adrenals to the point where they're exhausted, you know, certainly when we talk about levels of extreme exercise, extreme under eating, all those things, you know, maybe that's what adrenal fatigue is, you know, um, and you don't hear that often enough.
1: I absolutely agree. You know, like what you were saying, you know, you caused it, it was your own actions, your own doings that put you where you were just like each person that comes in that is searching for the solution or searching for the answer. They haven't found it. They put themselves where they are by their own actions. You know, so it is like what you said, it's making a change and it's, you know, ultimately, you know, even in physics, even, English, anything, there's always an answer to the problem. You know, it's just searching for the answer, searching for the solution, you know, and you know, giving up and not giving it the honest try or, you know, staying long enough to find the answer and going back to your old ways that obviously wasn't working. You know, I just think, you know, sometimes people need to take a step back and look, you know, at, we've talked about this many times, take a step back and look at, you know, you spent 10 years searching for the answer that you haven't found you know, why not give
0: this six months, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll have a lot of people and go, you know, that will say, you know, I've been doing this two to three weeks. And I was like, well, how long were you starving yourself? Well, basically, since I was 12 years old, well, well can't you give us three weeks more? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you gave the other shitty plan, you know, the rest of your life, you know, why don't we try to give this the answer? But, you know, the one thing that we constantly hear is I literally tried everything else, you know? So if you've literally tried everything else, there's some amount of damage that's being done that we're trying to fix, right? And that takes time to figure out, which brings me to Sandy's last point, which I think is phenomenal. Instinctively, I've stayed at my first week macros. If you're not familiar with eat form, basically we give you kind of a customized plan to get to the amount of food that you normally eat. We don't, take you from, say, 1,300 calories to all the way up to, say, 2,400 calories overnight. It's a gradual process, and we walk you through that with a schedule. So Sandy's saying that she's staying instinctively with her her first-week macros. I think I need more time to adjust. Yes. In fact, that's what we often will say to people, is that some people can adjust to 100 calories and, and others, you know, Need to take it a little bit slower. You might be one that takes it a little bit slower. Now, here's the other side of the argument. What could you do? And she's saying cycling carbs with active and rest days. Yes, that's the basic idea. But the only problem I have with that is if you're going from, say, 1300 calories to 1400 calories and you're kind of staying there, ultimately you are going to affect the amount of your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Basically, you're not going to be doing much throughout the day, right? And what I would suggest is that rather than doing kind of you know what she was saying, kind of high-intensity workouts and stuff like that, really start adding in kind of low-intensity stuff that kind of gets your calories up a little bit higher so we can then... You know, maybe start adding a little bit more food safely. You know what you're really talking about, and I think the other thing too that that really helps in this situation. People tend to want to do like high-intensity cardio, kind of low weights. You know, some level of 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 resistance training, heavy, will make a big difference. Now, I will caution you and say. You know, it will change your body as you start to lift differently. You know, um, I think a lot of people go into this stuff with preconceived notions. April and I was, were talking about this this weekend where, you know, you know and I, I can't speak for April, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it myself. I didn't know what I would end up looking like. You know, I didn't even know what I wanted to end up looking like, you know, but there are certainly things, you know, like for instance, I take a great deal of pride in my back, you know, and the definition that I have on my back, you know, I mean, if you'd asked me when I first started being fit, you know, how much pride I would have in my, the muscles in my back, I'd be like, get lost. There's no way I'm going to put in all this work. And then... You know, my back looks good. You know, I just want to add, bro, right? But what happens is, is as you start to change the way that you think about food and the way that you think about work, you start to appreciate the amount of, you know, work that goes into building anything. So all of a sudden, you know, you look at April's shoulders right now. I'm guessing you know, nice shoulders is something everyone would appreciate. But I mean, were you surprised? I mean, like where you are now, April, I mean, when we met, I think you were probably 15 pounds lower. Are there parts of your journey that you're like, if I started off, I wouldn't have wanted that. But now that I have it, I'm really proud of it.
1: I think we had this conversation before, you know, way back then. I don't think I really cared for like larger traps, you know, but now that I have them, they're like, really, I'm really proud of them. (laughs) You know, you like, you like learn to love them, you know, over time. Um, So, you know, yeah, you know, some things, you know, like my lats are a little bit larger and it's hard to fit in clothes, Um, you know, which I'm proud of them. I love them. You know, you just find stuff that accommodates them, but yeah you know, over time you learn to, you know, appreciate the the work that you put in and see the growth, you know, like what you were saying in regards to, to building a house, you know, you can work hard, you can save up your money and you can, you know, say pay someone to build a house for you and you love it. But if you actually had the capability to build the house yourself, you know, if you have the skills and the knowledge to actually be able to build the house yourself, that would be like your prized position because you put the work into it.
0: So, so Laura, say in April you look amazing. Um, I have to say, April was a big hit at the meetup. Um, you know when everybody got to meet her in person. Um, I mean, April is a strikingly athletic-looking person. That's probably the best way to say that. Um, and I think that when you look at what hard work looks like. April is a great example of what hard work looks like. And I'm very, very proud that, you know, (laughs) well, I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, my journey mirrors April's journey, you know, and and, and in a a way it's different because obviously I pursued, you know, some crossfitting and powerlifting and she's kind of pursued more body building type stuff. But, you know, we got fit together. I mean, she's my fit sister, you know. And so in that perspective, I think it, it's, it's, it's nice to see someone, you know, kind of grow. And, and, you know, one of the things that we talked a lot about this weekend was just that, you know, it didn't it, – we're not like figures, you know. We're not like people on the Internet, you know. I mean, the thing that we like about Eat Reform is that we're part of Eat Reform you know, and when, when people are working with us, you know, they're on a similar journey than we are. They're just maybe a few years behind. Right. So, um, that's something to think about. So Sherry's saying, yeah, you know, it's true about, you know, kind of being broken from years of kind of doing things wrongly. And it gets frustrating when you're kind of in. Aging athlete it's kind of interesting though because you know Sherry was one of the people that that did the um, the meetup and You know once again every other meetup after this is going to be you know (laughs) They got a high bar um, to to live up to but uh, But yeah, so Sandy just to finish off Sandy Sandy make sure that you're you're in the forums you know, great person in the forums for you to get to know would be Jill Jansen because I think she would be a great fit for a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. Um, but, you know, for Sherry, you know, Sherry, we got to hang out with Sherry all weekend long. And Sherry, um, you know, as an older athlete, you know, and I, I talk to Sherry often because she's similar age to my dad. She's much more physically capable than my dad is, and of course, you know, we'd all like to um, be a certain weight, look a certain way, you know, all these different types of things. But as you get older, man, you know, you got to be real careful because, you know, if you've been kind of doing the wrong thing for most of your life, and if you ask me what is better, a lot of times you'll go to the doctor, right? I mean, my brother-in-law as an example. My brother-in-law is kind of struggling with some health concerns. But when we first started CrossFit, when my wife first started CrossFit five years ago, he actually came to the fundamentals class with her and couldn't get through that workout. And it was like a fundamental – I mean, basically, you're just like stretching and, and barely moving any weight at all. And – like he was really struggling there that was a big sign that it's time to buckle down And he didn't do it you know and now his health concerns are you know obviously a big concern in our family and you know when you have to think about you know major surgery and stuff like that it becomes really super stressful And I think that, you know, it's easy to sort of default to I would like to be under 200 pounds or I would like to look a certain way in a bikini even as an older person. But when you can go to the gym and do like stuff that gets done in a CrossFit gym and You go to the doctor. I mean, I think Sherry was one of the people that was talking to us about how, you know, her doctor was explaining, you know, how well she had been doing. That's really what health looks like. That's really what, you know, aging looks like. And when you think about, you know, I mean, I keep bringing it up, but the podcast with Dr. Galpan where, you know, he talked about the, the three things that show for, Um, longevity of life, VO2 max lean mass and leg strength. And all of those things relate to the amount of heart health. You know, do you have a good resting heart rate? Um, Are you able to, you know, slip on a rock and not fall and hurt yourself? You know, that's what leg and ankle strength and stuff like that is Are So, I think the temptation for all of us is to want to look better in the mirror no matter what age we are, right? And and that should always be something that is probably something you would want to take a little bit of pride in. But also, you know, you have to do that and keep in the aspect of health as you age because that is super, super important. All right, you guys. Well, that is going to be it for us tonight. I appreciate everybody being here, and uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to you know if you don't listen to our podcast on on Thursdays and Fridays, it's going to be sort of interesting because I'm kind of finishing up my performance-focused fat loss. I'm down nine pounds in in, in six weeks. Um, ultimately, the goal that I was shooting for was right around ten pounds, but what I think is going to be more interesting to everyone. Is the period afterwards? Think about it. Most of us, if somebody put a gun to our head, we could lose ten pounds, right? It's that reacclimation period that we've always struggled with, and so I think it's going to be sort of fun for the next, you know, three months to really talk about that. And I think I have decided. I'm not. I'm not totally sure, but I think I have decided that I am going to track the next three months just to show people. I mean, my tracking, I don't need to track right now. I eat the same shit every day, you know? Um, and so it's still
1: good to lead by example though, to show, you know, that you go through periods of tracking and not tracking and, and things like that. And that acclimation period that you're talking about, like I tell all my people, you know, get excited because this is when you ride the game train and there's nothing better than the game train.
0: Well, but that's what I want to show people is is um, how what flexibility looks like and what you know um, because I you know you know I'm like anybody you know I mean certainly certain times you know I you know kind of you know eat outside of the box a little bit right eat for joy that kind of thing but you know going into what is going to be sort of a recomp cycle there's going to be a certain amount of responsibility there but i will say during especially during the summer you know i mean my training even even like to the last year there's been sort of periods where i've kind of struggled getting in volume i think i'm in a really good place as to what works without killing myself, right? And so I'm really excited about that piece of things, you know, training for, I'm I'm doing an event in May in Chicago called Cockfight. Um, It's all, it's all, it's an all guys competition. And then the Granite Games in the fall. Um, So I appreciate everybody being here and we will talk to you guys later. Adios. Good night, everyone.